0: That was wonderful, wonderful singing, wonderful proclamation of Christ, the Savior. And we look forward to reading more about Christ and who he is and what that means for you and me. If you have your Bibles with you there, please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And this is a a parallel text to what we read in Luke chapter 2. And we'll begin in verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, "'Joseph, thou son of David,' Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from his sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. We'll continue into chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, In the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently. For the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Amen. And we'll end our reading there. Join me in prayer as we gather to hear the Lord's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, O God, again for this Word, and Lord, we ask for the help of heaven this morning. Lord, as we gather here, we pray that we would be closed in, as it were, at the feet of Christ, like Mary sat at The feet of our Savior and listened and heard and learned from him much about the things of eternal life and the things of heaven and things above this world. And Lord, we pray that our hearts and minds would be fixed upon the hearing of thy word this morning. Pray that all distractions and all hindrances of the day, of the week, or even of the future would not be present. We pray that we would be mindful of the precious word of God that we just heard. We pray that the Holy Spirit would guide us and lead us as we seek to learn more and to gain more insight and understanding into thy word, that we may have a closer walk with God, that we can rejoice in our Savior and tell others of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity on this Sunday, that, Lord, it is lined up with the day of Christmas, and that, Lord, we can have this opportunity to tell others of the great event that happened thousands of years ago in Bethlehem when Christ was born, when God, veiled in flesh, was revealed. And Lord, we just pray that we would glean from thy precious word this morning. And Lord, if, if there's any on the internet, Lord, any that are present or even yet still to walk in these doors, we pray that every heart, every heart would know that something has happened, that they've learned something from the Word of God, that they've they didn't walk out of here the same. We do pray that, Lord, there would be a change. And that, Lord, as, as we exit this place, there would be a, a difference. Or let this not be any typical day, Lord, any typical Sunday. But, Lord, let this be a mighty day where, where a, a, a lost one would cry out to God for salvation. Lord, we pray for your guidance. Be with us. We ask for the wisdom of God in all things and discernment. Lord, be with me. Help me, Lord, to speak. And I pray that you would guide each and every heart here as we continue in our worship. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, today is Christmas Day. It doesn't happen often on a Sunday. And I know many of us are eager to go home, and I know many of you have things to do, such as opening gifts. I know my children do. I know there's anticipation there. Although, there's a greater gift I want to talk about this morning, and most of us would know what that is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15... Paul the Apostle says this about this wonderful gift. He says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. So we have gifts that we will give one another out of, let's say, perhaps uh, a heartfelt gift out of a need. Uh, Hopefully not out of a want. We know how we were as children but the gift the unspeakable gift is that gift that God the Father gave us in the person of Christ that unspeakable gift john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his one his only begotten son That whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gift that is offered to you this day. It is through Christ and him alone that you can have eternal life. And we'll go through the scriptures this morning, Lord willing, and see that. That this is the unspeakable gift that we all seek. And I pray and I hope that as you came this morning, that you did come expecting that the Lord would speak to you in some way through the Word. to struck your heart going forward this day, that it's not merely about all the sights and sounds that you see and hear and all the gifts that are going to be present. This year, time of year, is quite chaotic. Just try driving out there. It's, it's utter madness. It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. But it makes no sense that we have to be so busy. And it makes no sense that we have to be running around in malls like crows scavenging for presents. It's chaos out there. Yet we want the peace of God. We want the peace of God. That's my prayer for all of us here this day. Now, we'll go back to our text in Matthew, and the verse that I'm seeking to, for us to lean on is verse 21. Verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So a little context here always helps. Now whenever we read the Bible, we do want to read it in its context. So thinking upon Israel at that time when Christ was born, the overruling power was Rome. And Rome was an oppressive regime. Rome was taxing, as you read here, we read the word tax maybe four or five times. They taxed the people tremendously. They oppressed the people religiously. The Israelites had no freedom. They had limited freedom. You could say to worship. It was a hard time, a dark time in the history of Israel. The people were expecting a savior at some point, because this is the teaching of the Old Testament, that the Messiah would come at some point in the future. And it had to happen according to God's word. And it did. And as we read in verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. A reference to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, which was written 700 years previous to Christ's birth. Now, that's just one of many prophecies fulfilled. And it happened exactly as the prophet predicted it would, as God instructed the prophet that it would. So Israel is waiting for their Messiah. And he has come. He has come in Christ, in this little babe, in a manger. Now, there's many people mentioned here in this whole story as we've been reading. We've heard about the shepherds. We've heard about Herod, King Herod. We've heard about the wise men, Mary, Joseph, the angel, Gabriel. There's many moving parts to this story. But the main thing to remember is the reason for the birth of this child christ why he came because it says in verse 21 for he shall save his people from their sins the world we live in is fallen it's a sinful world now if we look at that let's take a look at all the mentions of sin because i want to i want to press this in hard we live in a society where many people don't even know what the word sin is. It's a small three-letter word, S-I-N, sin. It means a transgression of God's law. That's what sin is. It's all things that transgress God's law. If you think about the Ten Commandments, God's holy standard of morality, we've all failed on that list. Not one can say, can check off every point, and say, yes, I'm good here. I'm not too great there, but I'm great here. No, you can't. You can't say that. All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. We're born into this world as sinners. Uh, any parent knows that. You know the saying, uh, I have a little angel? Don't believe that. No. You have a viper and a diaper. That's what you have. It's, uh, that child is going to do things and say things that you are going to be astonished at and wonder, where did that, where did that come from? Where did they learn that? Uh, it's natural. You don't have to teach them how to be mean or to lie or to steal or to blame others. No, that's, that's a given. Turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And this is the beginning of sin. Well, we won't read the whole chapter, but I will point out this verse, chapter 3, verse 15, because this is what God will do on behalf of us. In verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The Lord is saying to the woman, Eve, your seed will bruise the head of the enemy, which is Satan, the devil. Because he lied to Eve, and Adam believed it, and they fell into sin. And we are the offspring of Adam and Eve. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. We see the first murder in the Bible. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Brother murdering his brother. The first murder of a human being, that is, uh, in the Bible. Is that not sinful? Family member killing his own family member? Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil Continually, what a statement by God! This is during Noah's time, that's why the flood came. Men were wicked on the earth, they were continuing as they were, life as normal. But Noah was found righteous in God's sight, preached repentance. For 125 years to men and women to repent. Did anybody listen? No, only eight did. And the rest of the world was destroyed. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. You'll find that after Isaiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Can you and I examine our hearts and really know the depth of depravity that is there? We obviously can't. We can imagine it. We can can truly seek it. The Lord knows how bad it can be. He knows how evil it can be. No one can know it. You know, this is contrary to popular thinking. Popular thinking is, man is good. He makes some mistakes, but he's really good. He's not that bad. And then often we deceive ourselves because we compare ourselves to others. We look at that fellow in jail. We say, well, I didn't commit murder. That guy did. He deserves that. I'm better than him. Well really let's look at Matthew chapter 5 let's see what the Lord Jesus Christ himself as a grown man in his ministry declares In Matthew chapter 5 he's speaking with the Pharisees and the Sadducees the most religious the religious elite of his day who think they are right with God he says them in he says to them in Matthew chapter 5 verse 21 Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. That's the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the counsel. But whosoever shall say thou fool Shall be in danger of hell fire. The warning is it's not even that you committed murder, but that you thought it in your heart, you premeditated the whole course of anger, and you allowed it to its fulfillment. It all begins here. Turn to Matthew chapter sorry, Mark chapter seven. Mark chapter seven. In Mark chapter 7, the same situation. Christ is speaking with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. These are, again, the religious elite. And we read in in Mark chapter 7, verse 14. We'll start in verse 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entereth into him, can defile him but the things which come out of him those are they that defile the man what he's talking about here is if you go back the pharisees are quite upset in verse 2 and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled that is to say with unwashed hands they found fault the disciples didn't wash their hands and they were eating bread and the pharisees said that's wrong it's a sin. And Jesus says, no, it's not what goes into the man, it's what comes out. And verse, if you read verse 20, he says, and he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. The babe in the manger, a grown man, declares to us what's in our hearts. He says this to the most religious people. Were they offended? Absolutely. They thought they were right with God. They thought we are doing what God requires us to do. In other parts of Scripture, Christ condemned them. He says, you put laws onto people you can't even follow. He had very harsh words for these religious leaders. Very harsh words indeed. So this is what this babe in a manger came to do, to save his people From these sins, from ourselves, man left to himself is a danger if God doesn't intervene and change his life. If you look at, if you look at, sorry, uh, if we go back to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. We see that he has come to save his people from their sins. And I I trust that that has been pressed in to us this very morning. That there is none righteous, no, not one before God. There is no work or effort you can conduct or do to merit heaven, to get into heaven. That is what the religious world is doing today. They are striving. They're working hard trying to gain favor with some celestial being that they trust one day they'll get into paradise based upon how good they are it's like a scale they know they've got wrong they know they have sin they have and it's so heavy the scale is weighing them down that they're trying to even it out or even get rid of this weight by doing good by being good it's not going to work Because you have a conscience and your conscience is going to convict you of right and wrong. You will never eliminate that, that baggage, that weight of sin. You will never eliminate it. That's why we need a savior. That's why Christ came to save us from our sins. And we'll see that we've already mentioned that prophecy has been fulfilled through Christ and Christ alone. Now, we want to see how the Lord is mentioned in John, in the Gospel of John chapter 1. His identity, this is no mere, as we have mentioned, this is God in the flesh. And John the Apostle makes that very clear in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Similar to how Genesis begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word? The Word is Christ. The Logos, it says in the Greek. The Word. The same was in the beginning with God. We read that in Genesis. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made he is the creator in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not if you turn to John chapter 8 verse 12 Then Jesus, oh, sorry, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Christ is the light. When we read in Revelations, he's centered on the throne as the Lamb. There is no sun. He is the light that shines in heaven. This is royalty, this babe in a manger, a lowly, filthy manger that has come to dwell with men who will be glorified in heaven forevermore. And every knee shall bow to him and confess him as Lord. John chapter 10, verse 10. Now Christ has come to do a very important task. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the devil. His works. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly that you and I might have more abundantly spiritual life, real life real life knowing Christ number one, knowing your sins are forgiven because that's the hindrance that's what holds us back from knowing God it's like the picture of two cliffs and a chasm in between The chasm is our sin. We're on one side, God is on the other. How can we get to God? Well, there's a picture. Let's say the cross is the bridge, the cross of Christ that allows us to get to God. Christ made the way, this babe in a manger made a way that you and I could never do. And so he has brought us forth into this new living relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, where we can know him. We know this freedom that comes from our sins being forgiven, cleansed and washed. If you turn to John or sorry, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, Uh, just an uh, absolutely wonderful promise of the Lord. He says in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So friend, if you're heavy laden today, if you are weary, if your soul is heavy, heart is heavy, friend, here's what Christ is saying, come unto me. I will give you rest. That's Christ. He has done the work. That babe grew up. Became a man. At 30, he began his ministry for three years. He worked with his family. He worked with his earthly father, Joseph, as a carpenter. He knows the struggles of men. He knows what we go through. He is God in the flesh, yet he is still man. And he began his ministry and started for three years. Preached the kingdom of heaven. Preached the forgiveness of sins. Preached that he's the savior. And today, here we are telling his story thousands of years later. And thousands and thousands of years This story will still be told if the Lord doesn't come in that time. But the the story has been preached for generations and is still here. And many around the world this day are worshipping Christ. We have world leaders that are attempting to rule the world. If you remember the world leaders of the past that tried that. Think of Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich. He said that the Third Reich would reign for 1,000 years, it only lasted 12. Uh, Alexander the Great wanted to rule the kingdoms of the world, and he did. But then he was very depressed because there was nothing left to conquer. And when he died, he wanted his arms out like this, showing everyone he has nothing in his hands. He's taking nothing with him, even though he conquered so much. The generals of this world want to control and take over nations and control people by the muzzle of a gun, but yet they never conquer the hearts of people. Christ is in conquering hearts ever since he was born and continues to conquer hearts even this day. He says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Friends, I hope you this morning you're not putting your faith in men. Christ did not come as a political leader. He did not come to uh, save us from Others who are seeking to employ their agendas, nope, Christ is not a politician. This is not a political problem. This is a spiritual problem. And Christ has conquered that on the cross. He went to the cross on our behalf. That should be us on the cross for our sin. But he went in our place. Yes, he suffered at the hands of men. He took the wrath of men, but even greater, he took the wrath of God upon the cross for our sin. Can you see him as your Savior this morning? Can you see that he died for you, for your sin, and that he wishes for you to come and to be saved, to rest? Friend, do you have the fear of death this morning? Are you afraid to die? Death is real. It's coming. It's 100% possible that it could happen any time. It's a one-in-one possibility. Death is certain. Does anyone have confidence that when they die, they'll have peace, that they'll know, that they'll be with Christ? Friend, come to Christ. Have your sins forgiven. Know that peace. Know that burden lifted. Know it removed. Gone. That's freedom. That's freedom from the world. That's freedom from yourself. Your own ways. That's knowing Christ. The one who can set you free. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Learn. Learn of me. Learn from me. Learn from him. He's our captain, our leader. He's the one that has won the victory over sin, death, and hell. He won that victory. There is no other victory like that. Learn of me. He's lowly in heart and you will find rest unto your souls. Friend, that's the unspeakable gift that we talk about this morning that I desire for you. If you don't know him, I desire that for you greatly. That you can rejoice in that this day. Friend, you can hold a gift in your hand, but this is something you can't touch. Only Christ can give it to you. This unspeakable gift. Unspeakable, friend. I trust that the Lord will bless you this day, that you would know his blessing. I pray for family members who are seeking, perhaps family members who are rejecting, perhaps those who are just on the fence, I pray that the Lord would work in your heart this day, that you would know something about what was said. Pray for all those online that are listening, that yes, if you you are considering this Christ this day, then please turn to him now. Don't waste time. You won't regret it. I promise you that. You won't regret it. It's the greatest gift you'll receive this day. Let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, O God, for this blessed message of the gospel of Christ, the one who came to this sinful world, this world of darkness, where he came to be the light that points us to heaven, that shows us the way, the path, uh, how to have this salvation so great and so free. And that, Lord, by placing our trust in Thee, Lord, we know You can forgive our sins. You are mighty to do it. There's nothing impossible with God. And Lord, we rejoice in Your power over sin. And Lord, that You have saved us from our own sin and the penalty from that. And Lord, you've given us a a new desire to seek after you, to worship you, to sing your praises, to be more like you in this world, that others may see that Christ is real, and that he is alive forevermore. And that, Lord, there's nothing this world has on, on you, Lord. The greatest gift, the most unspeakable gift, Lord, that you have come and and given us of yourself and died upon that cross to take the penalty of sin that we might know your forgiveness, that great transaction, our place for your place, Lord, in salvation, you taking our place for the penalty of sin. Lord, what a mighty gospel this is. And I just pray that you would do a mighty work in each and every heart this morning. Help us to rejoice in what we've heard. May we go forward this morning rejoicing in our Savior and and singing his praises. That we ask all this in his mighty name. Amen. Amen. We'll have our final hymn this morning. And we do want to sing. We do want to sing. We do want to sing and tell the world about Christ. We we don't want to keep it to ourselves. Let's turn to Hymn 92. Hymn 92. Joy to the world. And yes, the world must know this joy. Let us stand to sing. closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for your mercy and grace and love towards us. Lord, may we go forward this day as we leave this place changed, Lord, that we would be revived in heart, that we would be refreshed, renewed, and even converted for those who are not yet born again. And yet, Lord, I pray that you would be with us this day. Protect us and keep us for your name's sake. Lord, we pray that we would be the salt and light that you have called us to be, that we would show others who Christ is, tell them who he is, that they would know how wonderful he is, and that he is the only savior for mankind. And that, Lord, we pray, that there would be many this day across this land of Canada. Lord, if they're not just moved in heart, moved in mind, moved in soul and spirit and will and emotion to consider Christ, to think upon this Savior. Lord, do a mighty work this day. Pray for household salvation, Lord. And we do pray for this nation. You would have your hand upon it. That, Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. And that, Lord, you would be merciful upon this land and awaken it to the salvation that is found in Christ. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.